From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, May 6th. This week, we are highlighting a few of the many voices that make this town, region, and station so great by rebroadcasting some of our favorite audio portraits. It's all in celebration of our community after a historic Radiothon fundraiser. And we could not resist putting together a new audio portrait for our listeners this week. This one focuses on an orchard revitalization project happening at our village community center. The nonprofit is just off Fifth West here in Moab on five acres that once belonged to the late Ray Alger. Executive Director Annie Thomas says Ray loved his orchard there and loved having her preschool engage with it. Our village community center now stewards those fruit trees and many more recently planted on the land. Today, we meet with Annie at the tail end of a preschool class for our latest audio portrait. So let me see what it does. Okay, see this? Oh, right. yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I was on there, maybe. So I can you hear me? me? How are you, buddy? Welcome. Okay. I grew up in Salt Lake City, but in a town called Murray. Um, my great-grandpa was a sugar beet farmer where Fashion Place Mall was, but I grew up in gardens. We had fields behind us and there were farms around us, but we always had gardens. I just running through the tomatoes is my favorite memory and the big spiders in the middle. And then we had nectarine trees, apricot trees and apple trees. You can just pick fruit from wherever you're sitting, go grab some raspberries and apricot, grab a cucumber and crunch. And just my brother was here visiting and we were talking about that, like just the magic of spending all day outdoors. And we didn't even have to go in because food was just there. So this is our children's garden, and the circle part we called the nest, and it's kind of like our earthing pit, but we do storytelling in there. We just did show and tell. And then Nick has the middle section, which is um, the backstage farmer. What's your official, how do you introduce your garden plot? The backstage farm. Backstage farm. (laughs) And that's going to be the first produce grown on our village property that goes to market. Yeah, and then we're just calling the rest of that garden plot the daydream plot, because we have all sorts of ideas over there. Well, since we got the property, we wanted to extend the orchard. This was Ray's orchard, and Ray Alger was my dear neighbor. I lived across the street from him for 15 years before this even became an idea to move over here. Our village idea had been happening since 2008, but we never dreamed of getting a five-acre farm at that time. We had been coming over here for a while. I asked him what his plans were for the property, and he just wanted to see it left open. It was, it did have plans to be developed. It was gonna be 28 homes. We, we had been talking for a year or two, and then his daughter reached out and said, hey, you know, Ray's 93 and failing health, and they were gonna get moving on the development, but they said they knew his wishes were to keep what we were doing. So they gave me the chance, which was amazing, because not many people would do that. And I still don't know how we did it some days. It was pretty amazing, and we're so thankful for all the people that made it happen. This one is an apple. We're looking at the trees just about to bud into fruit, which is a little tricky at this point, unless they froze. (laughs) Usually you can see, they call it, there's like a bunch. 
and Jess could give us the technical name. But um, you look for King 50 two fruit trees and nut trees, him. everything that grows in Moab, and some iffy like figs and pomegranates, apples, cherries, peaches, plums, nectarines, apricots, pears. Oh my gosh, just being in the tree, like climbing up to pick the fruit is just something. You could be having the worst day, and it just clears your energy, and it's just, there's there's magic in fruit trees. I'm just, like, I'm picturing being in a friend's tree picking cherries, having not been in a fruit tree for a long time, and it was instantly that magic from my childhood kind of came back, and it just is so soothing to the soul, and I think we all need that right now. <laughs> For me, it was a young mom screaming for my village. I just had two babies on my hip, essentially, <laughs> and wanted a nature-based program when I created it. Um, and so it was just as a young mom, like, in my house cooking dinner, we called it the witching hour, my kids are hanging on my legs screaming. And I know my friends across the street, like between her fences and house doing the same. So it was kind of breaking down the fences and coming together and that support. And so for me, as my children age, it just keeps getting deeper, just that nourishment of our souls together in the connection and, and working the land for our food. We'll go and gather eggs with preschool um, or we'll be out here picking apples with interns from the high school. And just, yeah, it just, it's nourishing, I guess, still, the art village part. And now looking forward, like, I'm not quite ready to be a grandma yet, but as my kids get older, looking ahead to how important, how I wish this would have been established when I had my children. And I think all parents are just seeking that support. Daddy, these are blueberries. Okay. They're not ready yet. When are they going to be ready? Uh, after kids are dark. We go sweep and, and then we go so big and, and there we turn so I put everything. Will you give this one a drink real fast? And then okay. it looks like your aunt's ready to go. This one right here in the ground. See the baby? Right there. Yeah. Really, my, my goal for the orchards is to share the food with the families of Moab. When my kiddos were younger, I'd walk and see all this food just dripping and wasting and just, you know, I, I wish I was more brave to go ask the people, hey, can we help? But I wasn't. And so we'd end up at City Market and paying $4 a pound for cardboard apricots. It was depressing. So I just want to free the food. <laughs> yeah, the orchard's been the project that's like bubbled yeah. up for me. Where I where it's like, well, none of this is for me, but it's, it's one that it's like truly a bridge from like Ray and our history to the future generations. In fact, we just last week decided we're not preschool anymore. We are tree school. <laughs> we planted total the 52 for the orchard plus two more over on the schoolyard 54 and then all the berry bushes so we dramatically increased our number of tree planting so it was actually one of we have some homeschoolers that come they were helping to plant and one of them slipped and said tree school and I was like that's perfect we're tree school Ray would let us cut through to the playground over here and that's how we fell in love with the farm and he was so sweet he was in his early 90s and we would visit him every Tuesday with the preschool and this is where like the intergenerational mentoring of our village really just sparked you get a three-year-old and a 90-year-old and it's just like magic it's so sweet he loved the visits from the children and he would just let us adventure time over here two weeks before he got put on hospice he had actually gone to the hospital that morning and that night he was over here he had talked his grandson's um I think girlfriend at the time over here to water the family was so mad because he was sneaky and like snuck out but he that's how much he loved these trees he was out here making sure they were well taken care of and, and the last place I saw him was in front of this building just looking at the trees and um
That's been the most important thing to me is to make sure his trees have been taken care of. I know he's just, he would be thrilled just that we've preserved everything and that it's for the children of Moab. So that's our biggest mission is we still call it Ray's Farm. We're just the, the stewards of it. Big thanks to Annie Thomas, the founder and executive director of Our Village Community Center. Their orchard revitalization project aims to connect Moab's historic past to its future. You can find more about it in the show notes of today's news. That concludes our celebratory audio portrait week here at KZMU News. If you think there's someone we should profile in the future, please reach out to news at kzmu.org. Now let's head to the weekly newsreel to check in with reporters on their latest stories about the Moab area. Two months ago, Utah lawmakers prohibited municipalities from placing certain regulations on off-highway vehicle businesses. Now, this week, Grand County has come into compliance with those state rules by updating their Title V business licensing ordinance. Doug McMurdo of the Times Independent explains. Longtime listeners are aware, at least going back to last year, uh, in an effort to provide some relief for uh, residents, primarily downtown residents where um, OHV businesses are, are located and where people who bring their own OHVs to town, typically they're downtown. They convoy sometimes uh, down residential streets on their way to sand flats and what have you. And it's very noisy, um, regardless of how fast they're going. Obviously, they're louder if they're going faster. But even if they're going 15, 20 miles an hour, they're still loud. So in an effort to uh, provide relief to residents living in the downtown corridor, Grant County passed um, quite a few laws. Some of them tied to the business license, limiting uh, how long a convoy could be or a caravan could be, um, how many, uh, how big your fleet could be. Uh, should you be, uh, should one of your customers do something wrong, you could be held liable. Mm-hmm. There are all kinds of um, noise testing. N- noise testing. Right. All of this was was part of it, and quite a bit of blowback from local OHV operators. State operators, state lawmakers, they're always, as we know, they're always telling us, no, you can't do that, Moab, you can't do that, Grand County. Clearly, that was the case here. But what they did, essentially, was they got rid of just about everything. And what they're going to focus on is enforcement. And we already have uh, law enforcement agencies that are stretched thin. So I don't know if enforcement is going to do anything either. I know that uh, Grand County Attorney Christina Sloan uh, is trying to figure out what to do. You know, I, I think this is going to be something that the industry itself is going to police. I know that there are some operators here in the Moab area who are changing out their fleets for quieter models. And there are quieter, quieter models available for right. them for them to get and, and some aren't and you know that's to be expected not everybody mm-hmm. has the same uh, a sense of community and this is just my opinion and um, I'm not editorializing I hope but I just think it's going to be something that that the industry is going to want to take steps yeah. to uh, be better neighbors if you will right 
So the state legislature, of course, as you explained, um, stripped most of Title V business regulations related to OHVs. Um, as reported in the Times Independent, though, um, still in place is Grand County's noise ordinance and a cap on the number of OHV business licenses allowed in the county. Yeah, and that's important, too, because it's capped at seven, and I think that that's fair, and it'll probably get challenged itself. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like um, litigation is um, a, a fan-favorite thing to do these days. Um, you know, my, my thinking on it, you've got conflicting laws. Mm -hmm. Laws clearly protect the OHV operators and the customers, residents, you know, they're supposed to uh, have quite use and enjoyment of their homes. And um, these clearly uh, violate that. So, you know, I, I don't want to come across, you know, just, you know, these OHVs, they're ruining my life. But they are impacting my life personally and a mm -hmm. whole lot of other people, hundreds of people that lived in the downtown area. So somebody's lives are getting trampled and it seems like the lawmakers have decided that mm -hmm. that those rights that get trampled are going to be ours. You said that Grand County Attorney Christina Sloan is figuring out what the county can do. Do we have any more thoughts on that? I think that this is going to be an ongoing effort to figure out what can be done. Um, it, it seems it's pretty obvious to me that uh, anything that we do is going to have to come with the blessing of Utah lawmakers. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know if um, if that's going to help. I and mean, they've got a really aggressive advocacy group for the OHV users, um, very aggressive, and they're not afraid to hire lawyers, and those lawyers are not afraid to take on the county. I am curious, you know, you brought up a lawsuit, and, you know, during the legislative session, there was sort of a parallel notice of claim that was filed, right. um, you know, led by the Blue Ribbon Coalition with a, about a dozen local business owners against these Title V regulations that are now mostly stripped. Um, do we know anything about that lawsuit? It wasn't a lawsuit. It was either, you know, we need to we need to fix this or we're going to file a lawsuit. Sure. And I think what the county did this week uh, was a very good faith effort to put any notions of a lawsuit aside. Mm -hmm. I think that what they did uh, Tuesday will absolutely uh, go a long way to uh, satisfying the concerns of the OHV advocacy groups. We shall see. We shall see. We shall see. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Doug. And where do you want to take us next in the Times Independent? Well, let's go for some good news. Okay. We have some high school kids, Grand County high school kids, who just excelled at an international business development conference in Atlanta. Okay. Uh, Lillian Scott, and uh, she's a junior. Uh, sophomore Alex Mascaro and uh, senior Kasten Oliver. The students competed. They were given all kinds of tasks to assign. And Scott, I believe it was, was able to become one of the top 20 in the nation in her, uh, her effort, which is phenomenal for a small high school in Utah to do this international thing. And I think this is a real feather in Grand County High's uh, cap. And certainly in these students, uh, they did they did really, really well. Well, congrats to Grand County High's students uh, for their competition wins. And finally, Doug, um, I'm hoping you can touch on an article that you wrote about uh, water and the Colorado River. Yes. Um, the Department of Interior and the Bureau of Reclamation uh, announced that they are going to limit the release of water uh, from both Lakes Mead and Powell. 
because of ongoing drought concerns. As we all know, I think hardly a week goes by that I don't publish a story about how low mm-hmm. Lake Powell is getting, so low that it was threatening its capacity to mm-hmm. generate hydroelectric power, right. which would have a big impact on a whole lot of uh, folks. Right. So what they decided to do was they were going to limit um, how much how much water is spilled over to go downstream mm-hmm. to Nevada and Arizona and uh, California. And uh, they're also going to send 500,000 acre feet from the uh, Flaming Gorge Reservoir mm-hmm. in northern Utah, Wyoming, um, down to Lake Powell. Mm-hmm. Five, 500,000 acre feet, um, it seems like a lot of water, and it is. And um, this story, it's basically I cobbled together a whole bunch of um, different news releases. I've got yeah. I've got the government's um, mm-hmm. take on it, and mm-hmm. I also have quite a bit from the Nature Conservancy. Mm-hmm. And uh, both the government, the federal government, and uh, TNC uh, are warning that you know this is a good first step, but it's a temporary mm-hmm. fix, and we still need to figure out how to conserve more water. This is the worst drought that we've had in 1,200 years. Um, and that's something that we, we have to quit ignoring and we mm-hmm. need to start conserving our water, both as individuals and as businesses. And um, it's a scary time. And I hate to be the chicken little sky is falling kind of person. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been writing about drought my entire career. Mm. Mm-hmm. My entire career, and I've been mm-hmm. doing this for three decades. Mm-hmm. And the stakes are getting higher, huh? They are. As you explained, you know, in this article, the plan currently is, you know, releasing water from the upper basin and holding water away from the uh, lower basin to sort of prop up the lake right. at this point. Anything else to mention about uh, this piece in the Times Independent? We have a, um, a pull quote uh, on the photo of Flaming Gorge. And I think that that says it all. We are using more water than the river provides. Mm-hmm. And um, just a wake-up call. You know, like mm. it's, it's important to me that people understand just how serious this drought is. Doug McMurdo, editor of The Times Independent. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com. Carly Castle has officially taken the reins as Moab City's manager. Allison Harford of the Moab Sun News sat down with her to learn about her goals for City Hall. Yeah, so she's been city manager for, or official city manager for like just over two weeks. Um, And before that, she was acting city manager since September. And before that, she was the assistant city manager since 2019. I mean, I remember Emily Niehaus almost hinting at Carly Castle becoming... um, city manager when Emily was the mayor um, because she's been acting city manager ever since Joel Inaris left um, and she's been doing a fantastic job and so I think it's everyone's pretty excited that she um, decided to stay mm-hmm. so I asked her about you know what prompted this and she said that initially when she took the assistant city manager job in 2019 she was thinking she'd be in Moab for like two or three years, which is like pretty typical, I think, of people who move to Moab. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said it was just because of the nature of the job, like it's a hard job. Yeah. Um, she took the role of acting city manager um, and she started enjoying the work more. And then when Joette um, Langanese was 
elected as mayor, Carly Castle started working much closer with her, and she said that's what kind of prompted her to take the official role. All right. So it was a little, a little nudge from Joette where some experience yeah. with Joette as mayor um, that helped her feel comfortable staying. Right. And you talked to her about, you know, her outlook for the future. Can yeah. you tell us about that? Yeah, definitely. So she has a ton of goals. We talked about this for a really long time. Um, and she said that most of her goals are centered around community investment. And this has been something that the community identified during strategic planning um, and during this like Moab Tomorrow Together, like the future visioning project that they have going on right now. And it's just been a resounding desire that the community um, has expressed to the city council. And so Carly said, people are feeling disconnected from City Hall. They don't feel like city employees are responsive and they don't understand what people are doing and why. Mm. And so Carly's main goal is to bridge that gap and be more of a public facing city manager. Um, And one way that she's doing that is that she has an open door policy when it comes to residents. So like anyone can make an appointment with her. And then she's really focusing on getting out more in the community once she kind of cleans up some of the like turmoil that's Mm. going on within City Hall. Mm. And so we talked about kind of how she's planning on building staff cohesiveness because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of turnover and a lot of people quitting and um, last summer was like especially bad. And so she said the most important thing right now is recruiting the right people to the right positions. So she's really trying to build a staff that are committed to the city and that are committed to each other. And mm-hmm. she's also trying to identify the resources that the staff needs to make Moab City, an attractive employer. Okay, so what are some of the positions that need to be hired or what she wants what she wants to hire? There's a good handful. I think the most leadership position is the sustainability director. Right. Um, Mila Dunbar Irwin just left. And then also there are more people who they're bringing in. Like we just hired a new police chief, which will be a huge leadership position. Um, and also there's a vacancy in the planning department. And so there are kind of these random little vacancies Mm. um, all over the place that they're trying to fill. Anything else to mention about your conversation with Carly? Um, You said that she outlined um, stabilizing City Hall, Mm -hmm. being a public face of City Hall, Mm -hmm. interacting with the public a lot. Anything else that's on her mind? Yeah. Some things that I really enjoyed talking with her about. She said, She keeps a really good work-life balance, um, which makes her a better employee and a better boss. She loves working for this community because she loves living personally here, but her job does make it more difficult to get out for her afternoon trail runs. Um, (laughs) She said she just loves Moab, and that's why she's really enjoying her work. And she also said that on the day-to-day, she has 30 to 40 meetings a week. Okay, well, I thought I had a lot of meetings. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's taking it to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if she's a meeting person, she can handle mm-hmm. it. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Allie. Moving on, um, there's also a piece in the Moab Sun News this week about the Bureau of Land Management's Artist in Residence program. Yeah, so for the first time ever, the Canyon Country District of the BLM, which is our district, um, is hosting an Artist in Residence program. So applications are being accepted now through June 1st. And the program will take place between September and October this fall. Okay, so this is, you know, the Bureau of Land Management. We're familiar here in our community Mm -hmm. with the National Park Service's Artist in Residence program, which the Sun has covered also. Mm -hmm. But this is a brand new thing for the BLM. Yeah. Um, Why did they decide to to start a a program um, in the Canyon Country District? 
Yeah, so they've had these residence programs at various locations since 2012, um, and the employees at the BLM have been eyeing our region for a long time for mm-hmm. this artist in residence program because we live in a beautiful area. And so Rachel wrote this article, and she talked to this woman named Shannon, who works at the BLM, who said that the district is really excited to participate this year, and she sees a lot of people creating art on public lands, mm-hmm. and so this will be like an official way to do it. Neat. Um, they're taking applications. The mm-hmm. artist will be based in Moab, but does that mean that yes. they're going to go to BLM lands throughout the Canyon Country District? So whoever the artist is will tour multiple sites um, just around Moab because they're going to pick different areas within the Canyon Country District to host the season. Mm. And so this person will travel around, um, but it'll all be around Moab. And will they have like similar duties as like the National Park Service community artists in the parks interact with people or show their work in some way? Yeah, so they'll be staying at a BLM campsite for the duration of the program. And they will offer events to members of the public, including like workshops and demonstrations. And they'll also meet with visitors at popular areas around the district. Are there any um, details for anybody listening who might be interested in applying? Yeah, so for now, the program program is open to only visual artists but in the past the BLM residencies have included like musicians Mm. so maybe in the future that'll be open but for this one at least it's just visual artists Um, and the artist will have four months to complete a work based on the residency both local and non-local artists are welcome to apply okay so it's different than the National Park Service program where it's just locals this could be traveling artists right and finally um there's one more article in the moabs and news that we'd like to highlight um this is about some students three grand county high school students um qualified at the international career development conference of Mm -hmm. deca which um stands for distributive education clubs of america but if you've ever participated in deca or heard of it it's basically just um like marketing and business students and they do conferences and events and competitions such as this international national one that was held in Atlanta, Georgia. So sophomore Alex Mascaro, senior Kasten Oliver, and junior Lillian Scott. Um, I talked to Alex and Kasten about their competitions, and Alex was very humble. He's a sophomore, um, and he said that he joined because um, he dreams of being a Sterling Scholar when he's a senior, which is a Grand County High School recognition, um, and he thought that joining DECA would help him get there, and so that's why he joined, and then he he has swept the board at this international competition. Um, and he said he really likes it and it forces him to learn and push himself. And he liked how during competitions he gets to apply what he learns in school. The way that these competitions work is there's either a test or a role-playing situation for students to be judged on how well they can come up with like new ideas for marketing issues or accounting problems in Alex's case but yeah so Alex said that he joined as a freshman last year and he was really nervous for his presentations during the role-playing especially since some of the competition judges are industry professionals but this year felt a lot more comfortable good for him congratulations to all the Grand County students who competed Mm -hmm. anything else to mention about these amazing students yeah so Kasten Oliver she placed fifth in her event marketing communications so she's a senior um, she's about to graduate and she said she's going to attend um, Dixie State University in St. George to study marketing. Allison Harford staff reporter at the Moab Sun News. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. 
And that's the weekly news reel where we check in with reporters on their latest coverage of the Moab area. You can find the pieces that were mentioned today in the show notes of today's news on our website and podcast. Thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU, community-powered radio.